All right, well, let's jump right in this morning to week 15 of our Jesus series. Um, I can't believe it's already week 15. We've actually got this message and then one more, and then we will conclude our Jesus series. So it's been really fun to walk through the life of Jesus. Uh, We covered some really big topics like who is Jesus? Uh, We talked about why did he come? Who did he pursue? What did Jesus teach? And we covered big themes like Jesus is God, like we needed to lay the foundation of who he is. Well, Jesus is God. In John 1, we read that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then later on in that same chapter, it says that the Word became flesh. So so Jesus was God in the flesh, come to earth for a purpose. Well, why did he come? Well, he came because we were a fallen people that he deeply loved. We had separated ourselves from God because of our sin, because of our rebellion. And so Jesus came in the flesh so that he could live the life that only God could do, which was perfect and sinless. And then he died the death that only God could do so that it would be a sufficient payment for the sins of the world, Uh, that he rose from the dead. So we looked at his life, his death, his resurrection, like it's just this amazing story of God redeeming us. We also looked at things like who did he pursue? One thing I love about Jesus is he wasn't selective on who he loved. Uh, The scriptures say that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God loves everybody. It doesn't matter our race. It doesn't matter our uh, background. It doesn't matter our status or our class, that Jesus came for everyone. So the gospel is for everyone. And then we looked all through his teachings where he would teach us about the kingdom of God. We looked at a few parables and we looked at a few stories that that he told. And Jesus was proclaiming that there's a new kingdom, that the kingdom was being ushered in, that he is coming to redeem the world and create this new Garden of Eden kingdom that's going to be paradise, it's going to be perfect, and he's going to rule, and there's going to be no darkness and no sin and, and, and no chaos. And so we've walked through these types of things. And so as we get to the very end here, kind of chronologically in the life of Jesus, so we looked at his birth, we looked at his life, uh, we looked at his death, you know, we celebrated that on Good Friday. Uh, we looked at the resurrection on Easter. We talked about him rising from the dead. And then there was a 40-day period where Jesus actually appeared to people post-resurrection. And that's where we've kind of been for the last few weeks. Well, now we're getting to the point of the ascension. So this is when Jesus actually goes back to heaven. He goes back to the Father. And I want to really talk about that today of what is the, what is the realities of the, the ascension? What's the power in it? Because it's not really talked about a ton. I mean, you see uh, the world celebrates Christmas. The, the, the world celebrates, you know, Good Friday and Easter. But very rarely do you see uh, an ascension card, right? You don't see invitations to special services typically for the ascension. But there's some real practical power Uh, There's some real deep theological things on why Jesus ascended back into heaven, why he didn't just fix this world, redo the earth, and then just come and and usher in the kingdom. There were some real implications here that I want to look at this morning as we really look into um, Jesus being taken up to heaven. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read 
verse 1 through 11, and it says this. This is Luke actually writing. So this is the second letter that Luke wrote. So he wrote the gospel according to Luke. That was his first book, and then this is basically the sequel. This is his second writings on uh, the gospel, and then moving forward, he wrote the Acts of the Apostles. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to, de- not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, from John, uh, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse six, it continues. He says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the season that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, As they were looking up, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, he went, behold, there was two men, uh, behold, there was two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Then Jesus, who was taken up, uh, I'm sorry, this Jesus, who was taken up into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go to heaven. So that was Acts chapter one, verse one through 11. And so we see this classic writing from Luke and he's explaining that after he had taught, you know, written down all the things in the book of of, of Luke, you know, the whole narrative of the gospel, he says, now I wanna write to you the aftermath when Jesus was taken up. And I love also that I want to back up for a second, too, because before we really get into extracting uh, the main points that I want to cover out of these passages uh, today and then next week, is in John 16, Jesus is actually having a conversation with his disciples. This was one of the, the ending conversations that Jesus actually had with them. And he said this, in John 16, 7, he said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so it's interesting that Jesus, when he's talking about the ascension, which he's saying that I must go, that's exactly the scene that he was talking about was about to happen. He says, it's better for you that I go because if unless I go, I can't actually send the helper. And the helper we're going to see is very clearly the Holy Spirit. So next Sunday, we're going we're gonna to talk about um, Pentecost Sunday, and that's when the Spirit actually came, and we'll get to that even a little bit today. But what Jesus was saying was, it's actually better for you. It's better for you that I ascend. And so as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, why, why is that the case? 
Why couldn't Jesus have just, you know, again, come, lived, died, rose from the dead, uh, and then just redeemed the church, saved whoever was going to call upon Jesus, and then just reclaim us into paradise? Why did he say it's better that I go, and then I'm going to send the helper, and then you're going to see kind of the church age, this age of grace that we live in, where we're proclaiming the gospel and reconciling the world? That's the mission, which again, we'll get to that in a minute, but why is it? Why is it better that Jesus go away? And so there's three kind of key points that I want to hone in here for just a minute, and then we'll get back to the main text and extract a couple things. But I really want to talk about um, the power of the ascension. I want to talk about the purpose of the ascension, and then I want to talk about the plan. What was the plan? Why did Jesus do it that way? So the, the power of the ascension was that Jesus was actually returning to his full glory. Now that might sound a little weird, and I'm going to read a verse in Ephesians, but he was returning back to heaven. Um, If you've ever read in, in Philippians, it talks about how Jesus humbled himself. Jesus dethroned himself, if you will, and he came to earth as a man. That's what we read in John 1, that in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. But then it says man became, I'm sorry, that God became flesh. And so Jesus kind of dethroned himself, humbled himself, and came to earth that he might serve us. And it says he even humbled himself so much that, that he would die in, in, this, in this humility death for the sake of us, like even to death of a cross. And so it was talking about God really humbling and, and lowering himself to become one of us so that he could pursue us. And we walked through a ton of those things. But I love this in Ephesians 1. It talks about what just happened in the ascension. Because just like he came down and humbled himself, he also ascends back to heaven, repositioning himself in a very important place. And so I want you to hear this in Ephesians. Paul writes this, uh, chapter 1, verse 19 through 23. He says, And what is uh, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the work of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule, all authority, all power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You see what was happening here, where the power in the ascension was actually coming from, was Jesus, his work here on earth was done. He lived, he died, he rose from the dead, he proclaimed the kingdom of God, and he says, now it's better that I go. Because it's better because when I go, what I'm about to do is I'm going to position myself. And it talks about him positioning himself at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus goes back to this heavenly place and he sits himself at the right hand of the Father. And I love that it talks about this almost like positioning him in this kingship back on the throne. It says all authority in heaven and in earth. He was going to put all of the earth under his foot, under his footstool. He was going to be king over the universe, all dominion, all darkness, all good, all bad. Like it says on all things, Jesus has now positioned himself 
in this power position. And I believe there's great benefit in that because what we see throughout the scriptures and throughout the testimony of Jesus and many of his disciples is that we are inheriting that same, like we're heirs to that throne. It's above all. It's a name above all names. And Jesus is seated now, right now, at the right hand of the Father. So with the ascension comes great power. That's a benefit for us. I'm going to keep going. I want to talk about the purpose. So why? Okay, so he establishes himself on the, on the throne. There's great power. Everything is under his feet. He's reclaimed kind of this throne setting. But what's the purpose? And I love in John 14, Jesus said this, verse 2 through 3. He says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to be, or will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So not only is he seated at the throne in heaven, not only has he positioned himself of, of ruler and king over the universe, but it says that he went and left to go prepare a place for you and for me. That he says, my father's house has many mansions and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So, so Jesus is preparing something right now for those who are going to believe, for you and for me. He says, my father's house is amazing. It's got a lot of rooms and I am prepping and planning and preparing this place for you. But he doesn't actually stop there. The purpose isn't just to prepare a place because he's also interceding for us. And I love this in, in Romans 8 because, again, he's sitting next to the Father on the throne. He's got all authority and power, and he's preparing a place for us. But he's not just preparing a place. He's also interceding. In Romans 8, 34 through uh, 35, it says, Who is to condemn? Now listen to this. Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of the Father. Notice that language. It keeps talking about where he's positioned. He's at the right hand of the Father, who indeed is interceding for us all. And because of this intercession, Paul says, so then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? So like nothing now can separate us from the love of God because he's positioned at the right hand of the Father in power. And he's got this purpose where he's preparing this place for us. And then he's interceding for us. So what that means is God's grace and God's mercy and all of our failures and all of our faults and all the times that we fall short. Jesus is right there with the Father interceding for us. And I can almost hear the conversation sometimes when we mess up. And I think about myself all the time when something comes out of my mouth that I shouldn't have said. Or when I have a thought that crosses my mind or when I have a motive that maybe wasn't pure. I can just see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father and saying, no, you know what, Dad? I took care of that. Yeah, don't worry about that. Remember, I took care of that. I took that sin on the cross. Remember, I took the wrath. I've taken care of that. And it's like he's just constantly defending us, constantly interceding for us, constantly pouring out his grace and his mercy on us. It's amazing. So again, he's positioned for power. He's got this purpose where he is um, preparing a place for us and he's interceding for us day after day after day. And then lastly, he's got a plan. 
And the plan for him ascending was he says, I must go away because if I go away, I'm going to send the helper. And this is where it's really going to set up our uh, main point. It's going to bring me back to Acts 1 where we just were. And I want to extract a couple things because that's exactly what he told them was going to happen. It's better that I go so that I can send the helper. The Holy Spirit's on the way. The very Spirit, the power that, that is with me, the power that is part of the Trinity that has always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come, and when He comes, it's going to get crazy. When He comes, there's going to be power. When He comes, there's going to be mission, and we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to go jump back in just a second to really uh, unpack this, this plan that He has. And so jump back with me for a second in Acts chapter 1. And so... What he said was, was three things. The, the three things that I want to extract from the first passage that I read was what he said was, I want you to wait for the promise. And the promise was the Holy Spirit. And he says, then I want you to receive power. And then thirdly, he said, you're going to be my witness. So he says, wait for the promise, receive the power, and then go be my witness. And so we're going to see that. But what I want to do to set up really next week more than anything is I want to talk about this waiting period for a second. Because what Jesus says is I'm about to go and what I want you to do is I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to gather the believers and I want you to go to this upper room and I want you to sit, I want you to wait, and I want you to pray. And I want you to wait on the promise of the Father. So again, the resurrection happened chronologically in this story 40 days before the ascension. So Jesus appeared, it said to 40 days to over 500 witnesses, performed all these miracles, proving and, and teaching about the kingdom of God. But then here we are, he's ascending. And right before he ascends, he says, I want you to go and wait. And so this was like a nine-day period because the day of Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection. So here we are at 40 Ten days later, Pentecost Sunday, that's what we're going to teach on the 31st. So that's what we're teaching next week. But imagine this for a second. You followed Jesus. You watched him die. You watched him raise from the dead. He teaches more and shows up to you talking about the kingdom of God. And then he says, now I got to go and I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And I want you to wait and I want you to pray because the helper is going to come. I don't know about you, but that would have been like so bizarre. They still were asking questions. And you even noticed in the beginning of the passage, like, when are you going to restore the kingdom of, of God? When are you going to restore Israel? Because again, their Jewish mindset and their, their whole idea was still that they were still almost not connecting the dots. But what I love about the disciples is they were faithful and they believed and they trusted, and they witnessed. And so when Jesus said, just trust me, go pray and wait, that's exactly what they did. And I can only imagine that this nine days that they were waiting must have just felt like an eternity. They were waiting. They were probably running scenarios through their head of like, man, what is happening? When he says the helper is going to come, when he says the spirit is going to fall, what does that even mean? And so what I want us to think about, there's this phrase that a lot of us have maybe heard like, hey, sometimes you got to take two steps back to take three steps forward or one step back to take two steps forward. And you've also heard phrases like gaining by losing. And I really believe in this moment, there must have felt this. I can only imagine that they felt like they were losing their friend, Jesus. 
They were losing the Messiah, the Christ, the one who had raised from the dead, the one that they had been waiting for their whole life to restore the nation of Israel. But then he says, I got to go. Then he says, I got to go. And he doesn't really explain all these things. He's like, trust me, it's all going to make sense. But then he goes and they literally stand there and they look up to the heavens and they watch him disappear in the clouds. And they're like, what does this even mean? And so what I want to land here this, in this message and in this passage is we gain greatly by losing in this scenario. Because really in life, and I want you to just think about this, maybe what have you lost in this season? Uh, well, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your joy. Maybe it's a, a relationship. Maybe there's things that are crazy in your life where you just feel like you've just been losing and losing and losing. But I want you to hear the voice of Jesus. And I want you to hear him speaking directly to you saying, no, listen to me. It's better that I go. And, and, and the reason it's better I go is because I'm preparing something. I'm positioning myself with power that you're going to benefit from. I'm actually preparing something through this waiting period. I'm preparing something through this loss, but I'm not going to leave you hanging because I'm sending someone. I'm sending the helper, the spirit. And I think this cycle happens in our life all the time because when we find ourselves waiting, man, I don't know about you, but sometimes we just get tired. We've been praying for things over and over and over again. Maybe we're in a season where we just keep losing and we're like, God, what is happening? But see, the reality is, is we can look at our circumstances and we can look at our life and we really need to start changing the way that we think and say, God, what are you preparing for me? God, what are you doing behind the scenes, even in my confusion, even in my doubt, even in my pain, even in my suffering, even in my loss? God, what are you trying to teach me that's really going to give me gain when it's all said and done? Because we see in the next chapter that God is faithful, that God can be trusted. And the disciples, they believed it and they were all about it. I mean, they were literally waiting and praying. And so what I want to invite us into today is, are we willing to wait? Are we willing to watch things go and feel like we have lost and and, and feel like maybe we're taking steps backwards? But are we going to be like the disciples and believe that Jesus is good? Believe that God is working something? Believe that he has positioned himself with power over all authority over the entire universe, that he is in his purpose and preparing, that he is interceding for us by his grace and his mercy every single day, and that he has a plan that, hey, just wait and pray because the power's coming. And when the power shows up, when we finally get it, when we finally are baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden things change. And so I'm going to leave a little cliffhanger here for next week. So make sure and tune in for Pentecost Sunday when they do wait in that upper room. And when the Holy Spirit does show up, that's when things get buck wild. That's when the real power is displayed. That's when the dots start connecting for them of like, oh, now I know what the kingdom of God looks like. Now I know what I'm supposed to do. And so that's all I'm going to say about that. We're going to come back to that next week. But in the waiting Wherever you find yourself, maybe today, are you, are, you, are you waiting and praying? Are you trusting in God? Are you believing that his promises are true? Because Jesus said, wait on the promise of the Father. 
And it's not just the Holy Spirit. The context here was the Holy Spirit. But man, there are tons of promises in God's word. There are tons of of promises like God is working together good for all who love him. There are promises that we can be growing in character and that we can have hope and that we can um, find in our pain actual growth and connection to God. There's, There's endless promises. And so are we dwelling on those things? Are we believing those things? Are you in a season where you're waiting? Well, I want you to know that God is faithful and I want you to know that power is coming. And when you receive that power, man, we're gonna change the world together. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for me. I wanna pray for our church. I wanna pray for our community. Pray that anyone listening and watching this, that we would actually patiently wait on God that we would trust that he's good, that we would turn our eyes to uh, and focus on his position and his plan and his purpose and that we would patiently wait on the power because it's available today. The power of Jesus' resurrection, the power of his miracles, the power that he has given us to restore exists today. We just have to receive it and we have to believe and we have to confess. So let me pray for us. Father, we love you so much. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for the truth that says right here, right now, if I believe, if I confess with my mouth that you are Lord, if I will call upon the name of Jesus, thank you that it's true that your word says you'll save me. And God, if there's anyone watching this right now that needs to put their faith in you, Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would overwhelm them with your presence overwhelm them with your love, overwhelm them with the truth that you came, that you lived, that you died in their place, that you rose from the dead, that you ascended to heaven, that you're at the right hand of the Father and that you are preparing something for them, that you're preparing something for me. And God, give us faith to believe that. Give us faith to trust in that. And God, for all of us, who are in the season of waiting. Maybe we're tired, maybe we're worn out, maybe we're miserable, maybe we're joyful. Whatever season we find ourselves in, God, I pray that you will overwhelm us with your presence, overwhelm us with your promises. God, give us the endurance to keep waiting and praying and believing and trusting. And God, we wanna receive that power. We wanna receive your Holy Spirit. Fill us up with power, God, that we can walk this out. Your word says that we're going to be your witnesses. And God said, just overwhelm us with that. Overwhelm us with your presence. Heal us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning in today. Um, And share these messages with your friends, with your neighbors, with your family. Um, We are just so thankful that you have joined up with us. If you need anything at all, please feel free to reach out to our team at any time. You can email us. You can DM us if you're on social media. You can comment if you're on our church online. But we would love to connect with you. We love you so much. Make sure and be here next week for Pentecost Sunday because the Holy Spirit shows up everything changes. It's going to be amazing. Look forward to seeing you then.